Well, let me, I just wanted to tell you a few stories. As I was putting this message together, I was reminiscing a little bit uh, about our journey here at City Life Church. And, and when we moved here in 2007, as many of you know, we were meeting in the movie theater, uh, Regal Cinema, over off of Victory Boulevard. And I remember coming out, we were on Sunday mornings then, I remember coming out of the movie theater one Sunday morning, and they were uh, turning over the marquee. We met in that, if you're from this area, we were in that one middle movie theater, their largest theater right there in the middle. And we had a, a marquee, like as if there was a movie playing that said the City Life Church. And they were, some of you have heard the story before, they were taking out that marquee and they were putting in the marquee for the movie that was about ready to be played. And I'll never forget it said, evil has a destiny. And I thought the contrast of what's been going on in that room for the last few hours and what's going to be happening in there for the next 90 minutes has got to be striking. I also think that I'm not a scary movie person, but I'm assuming that's probably a scary movie. And I just have this picture because we had been in there worshiping for a couple of hours that there was probably this lingering presence of the Holy Spirit and people in there watching this movie expecting to be afraid just had this unexplainable calm and peace that kept coming over them. I'll never forget that the concession stand would open up in the summer months. They would open up the movies early. So by the time we were letting out, uh, people were already there watching movies and the concession stand was open. And I remember Ryan Matthews, a good friend of mine, his family had just started uh, coming to church back then. And he was there visiting and he got up at some point during the sermon to go out, realized the concession stand was open, came back in as people often do, right? For church, you get up and move out and come back in. You got to use the restroom or get a drink of water. He came back in with this massive plate of nachos. Now, now if you think the sound of corn ships crunching as loud at your house, you can imagine what it sounds like in a 200-person seat auditorium when he's the only person eating. We joke at our house that either everybody's got a snack or nobody's got a snack, or it sounds like somebody's eating gravel. Just ask Claire about her chewing issues, just saying. I'll never forget, too, though, moving into 2008, seems like forever ago, that there was a word that we felt like God gave to us, that it was going to be the year of his yes. Because we knew that we couldn't stay in that movie theater forever. We wanted to have a geographic identity. We wanted to have a place that we could call our own. And God gave us this, this collective word that began to stir in all of our hearts that 2008 was going to be the year of his yes. We launched that year with a sermon series. We, we just knew that we knew that we knew we were going to get out of that movie theater and we were going to get into a new building. As fall came, our faith began to falter. I know that mine did. And we kind of just stood in this place of, God, we knew, know that you gave us this promise. And sure enough, Last minute details working out. We held our first service, what was then called the Mosaic at 28 Harpersville Road uh, on, a, on a Saturday night. That was where the move we made from Sunday morning to Saturday night. Uh, there in December, right at the final month, we saw that promise fulfilled. Now we went into that building thinking we're only going to be there for maybe a year or two. We ended up being there for eight for eight, because what we didn't know is that God was preparing us for one of the biggest miracle stories in the history of this church in 2019, when this entire property that we're in right now was totally gifted to us, debt-free from North Riverside Baptist Church. What a journey, come on, City Life Church, that we have been on together. I'm sharing about that dream because dreams are powerful. Dreams give us purpose. Dreams give us passion. Dream, dreams unite us to a common cause. Let me share some of these I'm, quotes about dreams. I'm getting a little bit of a head start on Black History Month. It's coming up in February. These are some of history's greatest. This one is by Harriet Tubman. It says, every great dream begins with a dreamer. Always remember you have within you the strength, the patience, and the passion to reach for the stars and to change the world. Come on, that's good. This is by Martin Luther King Jr. It says, you don't have to see the whole staircase just to take the first step. How about C.S. Lewis? Had to work one in from C.S. Lewis. You are never too old to set another goal or to dream a new dream. And then finally, Arthur Ashe says this, start where you are, 
Use what you have, do what you can. How great is that? Start where you are, use what you have, and do what you can. There, there's a dream for our church in this region that's been stirring in my heart this past year that I want to share with you tonight. And this message is going to be about this dream and some ideas and plans that I want to lay before you tonight for how I believe we could see this dream fulfilled. I think this dream is so grandiose, we might not even see it in our lifetime, but I think that's the kind of dream we're supposed to reach for. I think some of the greatest dreams we could ever reach for are dreams that we're going to have to pass on to the next generation for them to see fulfilled and the dream that I want to share with you tonight that's been stirring in my heart is that when all of heaven looks down at the 757, this is what I want all of heaven to declare, that there is no other place on the planet where Jesus is easier to find than the 757. Then when all of heaven looks here at these seven cities, at Tidewater, at Hampton Roads, whatever you call this place, my dream is that there's going to come a day where all of heaven looks at us and says there's no other place on the planet where Jesus is easier to find than here. As I've been praying about this dream, I began to get this picture. As you know, we're a military community and we are a military town with all of the bases that are here. And as you know, if you are in the military, you move around just a little bit and that's not necessarily always by your choice. Someone else is making a decision for you and sending you to places all around the world. And as I've been praying about this dream, I got this picture of military commanders around the world sitting with orders that they need to to complete on their desk and there's just this this unction inside of them to send this family to a base here in the 757 and not really knowing why but we'll know why because it might be that that family is far from God and the Holy Spirit knows that hey here in the 757 it's easy to find Jesus here how about business executives that are moving people around to different locations and that same feeling of not knowing exactly why they're supposed to send that executive and their family to the 757, but we'll know, we'll know it's because that family is far from God. It's because that family needs to be found by the gospel and they need to live in a place where it's easy to find Jesus. How about empty nesters that are sitting down over coffee one morning and saying we can live anywhere in the world we want to and not even realizing that the Holy Spirit is just influencing their will. Why? Because they too are far from God. And God's going to move them here to the 757 because it's easy to find Jesus here. How about young adults graduating from college, looking at different job offers, not sure which one they're going to take, and the Holy Spirit again comes in and begins to whisper to their heart that the 757 is the place where they're supposed to be. Why? Because they're far from God. Because they've never been found by the gospel, or adopted by the gospel, or forgiven by the gospel, or convinced by the gospel, and God wants them here. Why? Because you're here, and because I'm here, and because we're sold out for a common dream that says we want this place to be a place where Jesus is easily found. Think about all the things that are too easy to find in our city. Can you just think about that for a moment? If you're a parent like I am, you think about this often. What are, what are the things that are too easy for our young people to find on their phones? What, what, are, what are the things that are too easy for them to find in their school? Not just for our young people, but for us too. Especially living in this area, as you know, that, that's a place where people come to vacation. The sex trafficking that takes place in Virginia Beach and the Outer Banks. Even in Williamsburg. Places that are resort-based, there is a high incident of sex trafficking. It's too easy to find. How about opioids and, and crime and violence, right? That list goes on. It's just too easy to find things that shouldn't be easily found. And when I'm asking you, hey, let's add to that list. And what we want to add to that list is Jesus himself. Would, would you pick up this dream with me? Would you this weekend 
Say, Pastor Fred, I'm, I'm going to stand with you and we're going to move forward together. Even if we don't see it realized in our lifetime, we're going to pass it on to the next generation. It's going to stir the hearts of the kids that are going to be in the nursery next weekend that we want all of heaven to declare that there's no other place on the planet where Jesus is easier to find than the 757. Will you dream that dream with me. Matthew 23, 13 reads this way. Matthew 23, 13 reads this way. Again, we say it every week. These notes will be online. So if we're moving through these texts faster than what you would prefer as a note taker, you can always download it this week. Matthew 23, 13, this comes out in the New Living Transa Translation. It says, what sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, you hypocrites. These are titles and names for the religious leaders of Jesus's day. Hypocrites, Jesus calls them. Listen to what he says. For you shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You won't go in yourselves and you don't let others enter either. Let me, let me read that again. You, you shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You won't go in yourselves and you don't let others enter either. I just felt the Holy Spirit whispering to me this week this phrase. Fred, if people can shut the door, then they can certainly open it too. If people can shut the door to the kingdom of heaven, then people can certainly open it too. So this is my question. How are you doing at opening the door to Jesus to others with your life? How are we? Let's ask that question of ourselves as a church tonight, here on our 16th birthday, our 16th anniversary, however you want to think of it. How are we doing at opening the door to Jesus for others? What would happen in the 757? What would happen in your workplace? Young people, what would happen in your school? Young people, what would happen on your college campus? What would happen in our homes, with our families, at holiday gatherings, at neighborhood association meetings, when we're out walking in the morning or you're getting home from work and you're walking your dog in the afternoon and you find yourself walking with a neighbor that you haven't met? What would happen if every day for the rest of our lives we asked ourselves this simple question, was Jesus easier to find in my city today because of me? But what would happen? If every day we said to ourselves, was Jesus easier to find in my city today because of me? It starts to change the way that you think. It has changed the way that I have thought this week in writing this sermon. When you're standing in the line at the store thinking to yourself, how about my attitude? What about the words that come out of my mouth? What about moments when you're frustrated and upset in your home, raising your children, the countenance that they see on your face, how you respond to various people and situations and circumstances at your job? Have you ever stopped to think about how our thoughts, our words, our actions, our emotions are either closing a door or they're either opening a door? For Jesus in our city. Will you join me in this dream? This dream that I'm going to be talking to you about. And then in just a moment, the slide that's going to come up. I want to give you some numbers. And I want to talk a little bit about strategy. I, I don't want you to misunderstand me. I'm not talking about church growth tonight. I'm talking about kingdom impact. And I want you to make sure that you understand my heart. We're, we're not in this thing to grow this church. We're, we're, we're in it to grow the kingdom. And, and, if, and if people come to Christ through the ministry of this church, whether or not they end up coming to this church or not, that's, that's between them and the Lord. That's not our heart here. What, what we, want to see, we want to take as many people to heaven with us as we can. And, and we know the only way that's going to happen, even more than it's happening now, is for us to carry the stream in our heart for Jesus to be easily found. 
There's a study group that I'm in with some other pastors in Elam Fellowship that I've been in for the last few weeks now, and this is one of the chapters I read recently, and it was striking to me. So there's going to be a slide that's going to pop up on the screen. There's an abbreviation there called AWA. It's called your average weekly attendance. Now, that's not new for pastors to be looking at numbers like that to gauge progress, but let me just, let me just share you where I'm, tell you where I'm heading with this. It, it, we, we don't want to pursue attendance for attendance sake. We want to recognize attendance for what it is. And that's the opportunity to impact someone with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You with me? We're not looking to build attendance for attendance sake. It's recognizing that there's a reach and an impact and an opportunity we have to open a door for people who are far from God. Our average weekly attendance is about 300. That's around the world, kids and adults, week in and week out, that's the number that we kind of have found post-COVID where we are as a church. You might realize this too, if you have come in person, we get about a third of that in person. So there's about a hundred or so people here week in and week out, and there's 200 or so people week in and week out online. But what I had not thought of before was this idea of what they call the frequency multiplier. And, and, and what studies have shown is, especially post-COVID, the average number of times that people, even who are committed, even people who call your church their home. Now, this is an average, right? Because some people are more than this. But the average is one and a half to two times a month that they're logging in and participating in your service. Whether they're logging in or coming in person. That number has gone down drastically over the last 10 to 20 years, but that's the number where we are. And, and what this book is teaching us and is teaching me, which I'm sharing with you tonight, if we've got 300 people that are tuning in week in and week out over a month's time frame, the number of people that we're actually interacting with, it's not 300, it's six to 900 because if your number is 300 week in and week out, those aren't the same people every week. So if you've got that steady number week in and week out, you've got lots of new people that are tuning in or coming to visit your church. Now, I'm not trying to make a case that we're a six to 900 person church. That's, that's not my point because we're not. Because we look at a different number for that, which happens to be around 300. And those are people that are committed here. They're involved. They serve in ministry. They're active in life groups. They're giving to things like missions, like what we talked about. It just so happens that our committed core and then our weekly number happens to be the same. And that's created a bias in me that the vast majority of all the people are the same every week. But if that were true for us, we would be the biggest anomaly in American churches, and I don't think we are. I think what this book is teaching is true. I think on a monthly basis, we probably see somewhere between six and 900 different people that we have an opportunity to present to them a doorway, come on, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We haven't figured out all the answers yet, but I know one of the things that we tend to do in our service, we talk a whole lot about things that are happening. We talk a whole lot about events that are up and coming. We talk a whole lot about ministries that we're inviting you to be a part of. And so we're going to pick up a conversation as a leadership. How can we lessen how much we talk to the people that called us their church home? You know what? Because we can get that information to you in different ways. We, 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 can, we can put that online in a place where you could go every week. Where we're just, we, You just know, I've got to go to this place every week to see what's going on and to see what I need to be involved in. I'm not saying that we're not going to announce anything anymore, but every time you say one thing, you're choosing not to say somewhere, something else. You understand this with your financial budget, with your family. Every time you spend a dollar on this, you're not spending a dollar on that and one of the questions that we're going to take up in earnest as a church, as a leadership team, is are we creating enough open door moments in our service? Is Jesus easy to find here? We want Jesus to be easy to find in our city. It needs to start by Jesus being easy to find at the City Life Church. Are we being good stewards of our reach? We talk a lot about stewardship here at City Life. If you've been around church for any amount of time, this idea of stewardship is not new for you. It's an important word. God has given us a certain reach. God has, by divine providence, has brought into within reach of us the six to 900 people 
every month. I want to be found faithful with that reach. And that every week we're putting in front of them a door for Jesus with the gospel. Did you know that last week, last week was the first time in a long time that we have not been in person at all this week, two weeks in a row. Highly unusual, obviously, for this region, if you're from here, to have inclement weather. But last week, our numbers actually spiked. It went from an average of 300, which is pretty steady for us. It went to 375. You know why I think that number went to 375? It's because I did what many of you did, which I had not, have not been doing, which I'm assuming many of you have not been doing, is that when the link comes to us, for the online service, right? If we're coming in person, or maybe you've settled into a routine where you're always gonna be online, the question is, are you sharing that on your own social media? I know I shared it multiple times last week. I shared it multiple times this week. And I wanna encourage you, let's get in the habit of doing that. It's putting a service in front of people who might not otherwise have attended, and our commitment to you is in that service, there's gonna be multiple opening door moments where we put the gospel in front of people who you and I both know are very likely far from God. Somebody say old and new treasures. Somebody put in the chat old treasures, new treasures. This is a verse that's been around City Life for quite some time, it's in Matthew 13, 52. This is Jesus, he says, then he added every teacher of religious law who becomes a disciple of the kingdom of heaven is like a homeowner who brings from his storeroom gems of truth as well as old. Now this is a guiding verse here at our church. It's been a guiding verse for a long time, this idea of old and new treasures. In this verse, which is one of the reasons why I believe that Jesus put it here, why he spoke it, why the Holy Spirit inspired Matthew to write it, is because it's supposed to guide churches from generation to generation, from decade to decade, from century to century. If you're an academic, you might recognize the, the idea of the difference between a, a terminal value and an instrumental value. A terminal value is something that, that you want to attain, and the instrumental value is the something that you need to value in order to get there. Let me give you an example. An old treasure for us as a church is psalmic worship. It's, it's worship that is instrumental based. It's worship that is impassioned and prophetic. It's worship that awakens people to the living presence of God. That's the old treasure for us. That's, that's the, the terminal value. That's the, what we believe is supposed to be part of who we are as a church. Right? The, the instrumental value might be the actual songs that we pick based on what's fresh and what's new and, and what's especially reaching our young people. You know, you've heard me joke, the song that's, that's out now that we sing, which I call the Vagabond Song. I can't even remember what the real title's supposed to be because I've got a petition going now to change that to the Vagabond Song. And, and so the, 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 that, we're, if we're singing that song 10 years from now, I, I, I'm not sure we're supposed to. You, you with me? Because there's going to be a new Vagabond Song that stirs our heart. There are new treasures and there are old treasures. There are terminal values and there are instrumental values. And part of the responsibility we have as a leadership team and part of the responsibility you have by being a part of a church family is to recognize that not every new treasure is supposed to be an old treasure. And that oftentimes new treasures are serving the true treasure, especially when it comes to worship. There are statements that have been a part of our church for so long. How about heaven now, heaven forever? For some of you, you might be at our church because of that. How about the verse that's been at the core of our church that kind of gave us that, that phrase, that, that, that declaration that's out of Psalm 27, 13, I would have lost heart if I had not believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Some of you are in this church because of that declaration, because of verses just like that. How about the new mission that we launched just a few years ago to build the church Jesus envisioned to love the world he died to save? How about the three words that you have seen here for years on banners and posters and it was the main headline for our website of encounter and embrace and engage and the, the statement that said a church leading the 757 into his presence with his family for his mission. 
All of these things are, have been an important part of our story. But we have a responsibility to ask ourselves some hard questions. What are the new statements that will do a better job of pointing people to Jesus who are far from God and are tomorrow? How about this question? What are new statements that will do a better job of challenging us who are Christians to live more like Jesus? If you begin to see some changes, and if you go onto our website, and I hope you do tonight, you're going to see a lot of the things that I'm talking about already there. And the reason for that is because we're looking forward into the next 16 years and beyond into the generations that are to come. And I hope that it's stirring in your heart just as it's stirring in mine even now as I preach it, that we want all of heaven to declare that there's no other place on the planet where Jesus is easier to find than the 757. It doesn't mean that those other statements aren't still true. It doesn't mean that they don't still matter to us. It doesn't mean that they're not going to still stir in our heart and be foundational to what we believe about the Christian experience. But at some point as a church, we have to come back to this question and ask, what is the new treasure that God is asking us to find in our storehouse? There's a couple of them, a couple of them that I want to spend some more time on tonight. And the first one is this, tell the story. You've probably seen these banners that are flanking me up here on the platform that have been on your, in your shot on your television or on your tablet or whatever you might be watching on. Tell the story. Tell the story. I believe that the Bible tells a story and you have a part to play. No matter who you are. No matter what the circumstance of your life might be right now, no matter how far you might feel from God, no matter how close you might know that you are today, you have a part to play in the story that the Bible tells. In some ways, this part that you and I are supposed to play is going to be exactly the same, which is a lot of what we're talking about tonight. And then in other ways, it's going to be completely different which is what I'm going to be talking about in large part next week. When I talk about this idea of diversity, we have different assignments. We have different spiritual gifts. We have different personalities. We, we, we have different passions that God has given to us in this life. But what we're talking about tonight is the idea of where it overlaps. See, no matter what your assignment might be, no matter what your personality makeup might be, no matter what your life experiences might be, can, can I just challenge you to believe that you are supposed to be a person throughout your life that opens the door of the gospel to people that you come in contact with. Remember that formula that I gave up? Some of you thought, goodness gracious, I thought I was never going to have to see math and formulas again, and you're having a little flashback to algebra. There will not be a test. It's okay. There will not be a quiz next week in order for you to get that hot and ready donut, or maybe that's a good idea. I'm not sure. See, that formula keeps going, and I like where it goes. See, your average weekly attendance times your, your frequency multiplier, times, here's the third number I'm adding in. It's called the average gospel opportunity. The average gospel opportunity. Studies show that every person has about 10 or so people, but on average 10, some more, some less, that's why it's an average, an average of 10 people that they know that they come in contact with regularly who are far from God. Every person has about 10 people that, that you're interacting with. It, maybe it's the person that sits next to you at work. Maybe you go to Starbucks every morning and it's the same barista that you now know their name and they know yours. Maybe it's the person at the, the, the local convenience store that you stop on the way home to pick up this, that, or the other. You, you've got about 10 people. Maybe it's the person that you walk with in your neighborhood. You've got about 10 people who are far from God. You've got about 10 people in your life right now, right now, who have never been found by the gospel, who've never been adopted into the family of God, who've never had that feeling of being forgiven by Jesus because of what he did for you and me on the cross. All of us have about 10 people. 
Now, when you plug that number into our church, look at this number, people. It's, it's, it's astounding. When you take our average weekly attendance of 300, and then you throw in the frequency multiplier, again, which means that those 300 are not the same every week. So you multiply that number by two or three, and then you multiply that by the average gospel opportunity that each of us have. Listen to this. There are 6,000 to 9,000 people that represent our potential impact, our potential reach as a church family. Stop it. Come on. It's good stuff. Those are the people that by divine providence, you think you picked the house that you live in? Oh, no, 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 no. That's providence. You, you think you chose the job that you're working in right now? No, 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 no. We already know we didn't get to pick the family we were born into. Situation after circumstance after situation after circumstance, the sovereignty of God has been at work in our lives, dare I say, as the Bible says, from the foundations of the earth, to posture and position you and me right where we are right now. And together, just this one church, just this one church, just City Life Church alone, 6,000 to 9,000 people right now who are far from God, and we have an opportunity to open a door for them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Starting in March, you might say, what are you going to do in February? I'm going to get that in a minute. Starting in March, I'm going to launch a new series called The Story. If you were here last year, you might remember a sermon where I was preaching, where I laid out the gospel from start to finish, where I went to where I believe the Bible starts by way of its history, which does not actually happen in the Garden of Eden, as many people think. The history of the Bible that we're given picks up with a rebellion in heaven. And, and then we take that all the way to the new heaven and the new earth. And there was a slide that was on the screen that had lines and charts and, and verses, and it, it kind of told the whole story of the Bible, you need to know that story. I need to know that story. B because you can't tell the story that you don't know. You can't tell the story that you don't know. Now, now you might not get to a place in your life where you can draw that whole story out on a napkin or a piece of paper, but I hope that something inside of you is saying, Fred, when we get into that sermon series, even if I can't do all of it, I'm going to be able to do enough of it so that if I have an opportunity to sit down with a person who's far from God and there's a divine opportunity that God creates between me and them, I'm going to know enough of the story of the gospel to give it to them. So we're going to step into a series in March. I have no idea how long it's going to last, but we're going to stay in it until we finish it, for however long it takes this year. We're going to resource you. We've got these cards that we've created. It's called The Story. It's got a QR code on the back. Now, we, we've not worked it all out yet, but we're going to get there. This does not have our church name on it, because we're not trying to grow City Life Church. You with me? We're trying to grow the kingdom. So we're going to resource you with these cards, this QR code. They're going to be able to scan it, and it's going to take them to a, a probably under three-minute presentation of the gospel that's pictorial in nature. That's with me? It's not going to be a person on a screen. It's going to be a, a voice, but it's, it's going to be a pictorial. We're going to take that slide. If you remember, if you were here, and if not, you're going to trust you're going to be with us in March, and you're going to begin to learn it. But we're going to take that story that I believe represents the whole of the story of the Bible. And as part of that story, obviously the core of it is the gospel. Then we're going to take that and, and in some way, in a pictorial way, it's going to be a presentation that people can see. You're going to be able to give these cards to people. You have an interaction with someone. It might be that friend that you're talking to and maybe you feel a little bit intimidated. I don't know if I could present the story in the way that I should. That's okay. You can put a card in their hand. And chances are they've got a smartphone and then they can spend a few minutes and then you can say, hey, check that out. And when we walk tomorrow, let's talk about what you saw. I'm not saying that any of these are silver bullet moments. 
I'm not saying this one thing is going to fulfill this dream that we have, but we need to start somewhere. Can I remind you of a couple of these quotes? How about the one from Arthur Ashe that says, start where you are, use what you have, do what you can. Hmm. How about the one from Martin Luther King Jr. that says, you don't have to see the whole staircase just to take the first step. There's going to be lots of steps that we're going to take together as a church. There's going to be lots of things that I believe. I believe God's going to give you some creative ideas. Come on. Holy Spirit's going to speak to you and give you some creative ideas for things that we can begin to do together and corporately as a church that's going to help bring about this dream that you, I trust, are going to carry with me together that all of heaven is one day going to declare that there's no other place on the planet where Jesus is easier to find than the 757. Tell the story. Matthew 25, 34 to 40. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who were blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, come on, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you are doing it to me. Of all the places that we're going to open doors together as a church, of all the places where we want Jesus to be easily found. Can we agree together that we want it to be amongst the least of these? Can we just agree together that we want these verses spoken over our church? It's one of the reasons why we've already talked to you about there's going to be a least of these moment that's a part of our church every single month. Every month, there's going to be a, a practical thing that you can do to help care or meet the need of the least of these. And we know from the book of James that oftentimes it's by providing some type of tangible care that that in and of itself opens the door of the gospel into someone's life. How about these verses? It's a chunk. Stay with me. Luke 12, Luke 14, 12 to 24. I want to read it all. Then he turned to his host and said, when you put on a luncheon or a banquet, he said, don't invite your friends and your brothers and your relatives and your rich neighbors, for they will invite you back. And that will be your only reward. Instead, invite the poor and the crippled and the lame and the blind. And then at the resurrection of the righteous, God will reward you for inviting those who could not repay you. And he gives this parable, the parable of the great feast. Verse 15 says, hearing this, a man sitting at the table with Jesus exclaimed, what blessing it will be to attend a banquet in the kingdom of God. And then Jesus replied with a story. A man prepared a great feast, sent out many invitations. And when the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guests, come, the banquet is ready. But they all began making excuses. One said, I have just bought a field and must inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five pairs of oxen and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. Another said, I now have a wife, so I, I can't come. And the servant returned and told his master what they had said. His master was furious and said, go quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And after the servant had done this, he reported there is still room for more. It's good, isn't it? There's still room for more. So his master said, go out into the country, into the lanes and behind the hedges. In some translations, render it into the highways and the byways, people. And urge anyone you find to come so that the house will be full. Can you just let that sink in for a moment? So that the house will be full. You know what Jesus is talking about there, right? He's talking about heaven. And he's saying this, this, this passion has got to stir inside of us. If you've been fasting with us this week, if you've been waiting to break your fast like me, there, there is a hunger inside of you right now. 
If you've already broken your fast, that's okay. You can think back to a, a moment this week when you were in it and you felt those, those pains of hunger inside of you. If you're visiting with us and you didn't even know we were fasting, you can think back to a time in your life, whether you were fasting or not, and you felt the pains of hunger. Fasting is important for lots of reasons, but one of them is this, is to remind us that we're supposed to be hungry for the right things in this life. And as, and as strong as that feeling that's urging us to eat and we're saying no to it and creating that feeling, I think one of the reasons why we're supposed to fast is God wants us to be sensitized to aches and hungers that our soul is supposed to have that we often don't feel. And one of the things that we're supposed to be hungry for in this life is for heaven to be full, for us to take as many people to heaven with us as we can. You know what that sounds like to me? It sounds like a dream. It sounds like a dream of opening doors for people, for Jesus. It sounds like the kind of dream that a church would take up. People who've been found by the gospel ourselves. It sounds like the kind of dream where we would say, we want our city, we want our region. We don't want there to be any other place on the planet where it's easier to find Jesus than here, than here. I was in a meeting this week with Chief Drew, Chief of Police for Newport News, gets together with area pastors every so often, and he was giving us a crime report. Vanessa was, was there with me. Senate Ivy Baptist had our good friend, Pastor Kevin Swan, has been in this pulpit ministering together, right, at the, in the VUP in the Virginia Unity Project. And Chief Drew identified the three most troubling neighborhoods in all of Newport News. Now, I'm just talking about Newport News, right? This is a dream. The dream, the dream that I have of Jesus being easily found is for this entire region, right? This is just one city. He shared the three most troubling neighborhoods. And, and to my own bias, I assumed that all three of those neighborhoods were going to be in the parts of Newport News where the streets have numbers. But only, only one of them was. The other two were in the suburbs. One was Dresden, which is not too far from here, Harpersville, and Jefferson. And the other one was up in my neighborhood, up in Denby, called the Aqueducts. Two of the three most troubling neighborhoods in our city are right here in the suburbs with us. And something stirred inside of me. That's got to change. I don't have the answers. I don't know how that's going to change. But I know this, that one of the things that's going to change those neighborhoods is if Jesus is easy to find there. And the only way that Jesus is going to be easy to find there are if churches are willing to go there. They can't just be the neighborhoods that we drive by a little quicker. Can't just be the neighborhoods that, that we think to ourselves, I hope I never have to go in there. A lot of the people that live in those neighborhoods are the least of these. Not to demean them or not to degrade them, just meaning that they are suffering in ways in this life that we are not. And the least of these means that we have an opportunity to alleviate some of that suffering. And even more so, we have a responsibility to put in front of them open doors for Jesus Christ. I hope that this year and in the years to come, that those neighborhoods are going to be awfully familiar to you. Because we're going to be in those communities that we're going to reach out to other pastors and other churches in this city and that something's going to happen in us and then something's going to happen in those communities and then something's going to happen in this region. Come on. That Jesus is easy to find here. Will you tell the story with me? Will you pick up your part that you're supposed to carry in telling the story of the Bible, especially the story of the gospel to people that God brings across your path. The other one is this, live the way. Tell the story and live the way. John 12, 32 reads this way. And when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw everyone to myself. Can we just agree that telling the story isn't the only way we lift up Jesus in our world? That we can do some serious door opening in our city by becoming like Jesus ourselves. 
Matthew 23, 13 talks about right, shutting doors and not entering in, which means that we can open doors and it also means we can enter in ourselves. And I think this idea of entering in ourselves is Jesus's way of saying, hey, once you avail yourself to the gospel, how about you devote yourself to becoming like me? Because the more we become like him, guess what? The more doors we're gonna open in our world through our example. How about this? The more I become like him, the more doors I open to him. The more I become like him, the more doors I open to him. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on these because this is a series that we're going to jump deep into. These thoughts are not new for you because I taught them all this past year. The way of Jesus' character, the way of Jesus' beliefs, the way of Jesus' obedience, and the way of Jesus' peace. Praxis, doxa, shema, and shalom. If you're visiting with us, I know that's a mouthful, but you can go on and find a series for each of those in our archives, on our website. It's what we call the way of Jesus, is that we believe it's through these four things that we can be intentional about becoming more like Jesus in 2023. At the beginning, I know I'm talking about 2023. I'm talking about being intentional about these next 24 months that I believe have the ability to set the trajectory of this church for the next 16 years and beyond. 2023, I think what we're going to do is we're going to devote one quarter to each of these. We're going to dive deep into discipleship. This year, we're diving deep into evangelism. This year, we're diving deep into telling the story. You might say, well, Fred, I thought you were going to tell me about February. I am. I'm going to tell you now. Our loudest witness. See, we're kicking something off tonight. And then in March, we're going to launch into this series that's going to last a little while. It's going to be the series on the story, which tells the story of the Bible. And again, the central story of the story of the Bible is the story of the gospel. But in February, before we get into the story, we're going to do a sermon series called Our Loudest Witness. See, because this idea of Jesus being easy to find here, I've been talking to you tonight about a responsibility that we have individually, but I've also been talking with you about a responsibility we share corporately. And we know that those things go hand in hand with each other. And I believe that there are some values that we've got to take hold of as a church. And I'm going to tell you what these four are. But these aren't going to be new words for you because we've been talking about them for years as a church. But I feel like there's a sense of clarity that we're finding as a church family. I feel like that these four values are going to speak to us, that these values are going to are going to guide us. They're, they're, they're going to guide us so that we can be more impactful together in sharing the gospel. The first one is diversity, which I'm calling our warmest welcome. And I'm going to be preaching on that next week. Vanessa's going to do one. Pastor Justin's going to do one. Pastor David's going to do one. Ministry, our best effort. Generosity, our boldest gift. Community, our strongest bond. Come on, those are good, aren't they? Those four together create our loudest witness, meaning that we want to create a culture here at the City Life Church that inspires all of us to run after this dream together. Where do we get those? We, we get those out of the book of Acts. This sermon series is going to be digging into the first few chapters of Acts and beyond. Because you know where Jesus was easy to find in the first century? It was in Jerusalem. Both before he went to the cross and then also after he was raised from the dead. His church was built on these values. And I believe that's one of the central reasons why Jesus was easy to find in that part of the world in the first century. And I believe that the Apostle Paul took these values with him whenever he planted churches around the known world. I'm asking you today, will you pick up and carry a dream with me? Will you let this dream begin to take root in your heart? A desire and a belief and a passion. A desire and a belief and a passion. That one day heaven will look down on the 757 and say there's no other place on the planet where Jesus is easier to find than right there. I thought the best way for us to close out our service tonight is how about we open a door right now? We've been talking about it. How about we do it? Believing that there might be somebody watching online right now. Somewhere around the world right now. And I want to ask you this question. Has the longing in you to know God and to be known by him ever been filled? 
Has the, has the longing inside of you to know God and to be known by him ever filled? It might be hearing me say that statement. You didn't even know what that longing was. But right now, all of a sudden, you're like, that's it. It might be that you are watching this service and you didn't even know that you had a longing at all. But hearing me talk about these things that I've been talking about tonight, maybe it was during the worship as Chris was leading us in those songs. Maybe it's through reading some of these verses. All of a sudden, you became painfully aware of a longing inside of you. Maybe it was when I was talking about fasting and I was talking about being hungry and all of a sudden you felt a hunger, not in your belly, but in your soul that you didn't even know was there. Can I just tell you what that hunger is? It's the hunger that we're all born with. And at some point in our lives, the Holy Spirit touches it and awakens us to it. And it's the hunger and the longing and the ache to know God and to be known by him. Did you know that Jesus was a carpenter? If you're unfamiliar with the Bible, did you know that Jesus had a job that he went to every day? But before he began his ministry as a preacher, if we want to say that, that helps you understand a lot of what he did. But he didn't start that until he was 30 years old. And you know what he did before then? He was a carpenter. And you know why he was a carpenter? Because his father was a carpenter. And in his day, in his time, much like it is today, sometimes your career is set for you by the family that you're born into. Have you ever stopped to think about all of the different families that Jesus could have been born into? Have you ever stopped to think about all the different vocations that could have been defining for Jesus before his ministry began? Can I just tell you, I love the fact that God picked for him a family who had a father who was a carpenter. Because I think that's one of the most telling things for us about why Jesus came and about why he was here is because he came to build a door for you and for me. A door that we could pass through so that we could know God and we could be known by him. So if you're watching right now and you're feeling that longing inside of you and you want to know God and you want to be known by him, I'm going to invite you to pray this prayer with me. Jesus Say this prayer after me. I, even if you're in a living room right now and you got people that are sitting around, I'm going to encourage you to not be ashamed to pray this out loud. Jesus, I believe that you are God's son, that you died for my sins, and that you rose from the dead. And from this day forward, I make a vow of devotion to you. In Jesus' name, come on. And everybody said together, amen. Hey, because you prayed that prayer, I want to teach you another phrase. And that phrase is this, which you can now say. I am at one with God, rescue from myself, just as if I'm perfect, because Jesus paid it all. If you prayed that prayer tonight, I hope that you reach out to us. You can get us at info at citylifeva.com. If you don't live in this area, then I want to encourage you, find a church somewhere that teaches the Bible and loves Jesus because they've got next steps that they want to talk to you about. If you live here in the 757, then you come, you visit us here at 311 Seldon Road next Saturday. We'd love to talk to you about next steps that you need to take. And even if this isn't the church that you're supposed to call home. Come on, we're going to put you in touch with the church somewhere here in the 757. Will you join me in this dream? Will you join me in this dream? That there would be no other place on the planet where Jesus is easier to find than the 757. Thanks for sharing your Saturday night with us, and we'll see you next week.